Look, I like cats as much as the next person who likes cats, but two cats is my limit. Three absolute tops and only if they're ignoring me, which is why I was totally stressing because there were now dozens of cats trying to get into my hotel room, wriggling through the door, which I kept closing, but somehow, somehow just wouldn't stay all the way closed. And they were so frisky, which I knew was going to be a major problem. I mean, how could I be expected to get back into bed, fall asleep, and have a lucid dream when there were cats jumping all over the room? The dog that always just seemed to be there was there, sitting at my feet. Well, hey, aren't dogs supposed to be able to chase cats? I gave the dog a pleading look. He responded by somehow getting fatter and less likely to do anything other than snack and take naps. It was all on me. I finally managed to get the door all the way shut, but it didn't help. Cats were now squeezing in through the cracks around the door frame. Well, it made me super glad that I was holding an industrial grade welding machine in my arms. I know, talk about lucky. I started shoving cats back out with my foot and then welding around the door frame behind them until it was completely sealed to the wall. Ha! A small part of my mind thought this might be a problem later on down the line when I wanted to leave the room, but at least the room was now cat free. I dashed back to the bed, dove under the covers and shut my eyes and tried to remember that very important thing I had been about to do. Well, it must have been really, really important because even though I'd forgotten it, I kept right on trying to do it, just coasting along on the momentum of intention. And then my alarm clock went off. No! Only instead of buzzing, it was playing music beautiful symphonic music and it hit me that was the music you heard when you succeeded i'd done it whatever it was i felt a strong intention to say my name out loud and to my absolute delight i found that i knew it i knew mine own name marvelous there was something else i'd wanted to do but i became distracted by the music to hear this music was to become weightless, and I floated out of bed and around the room like I was on an invisible raft in an invisible swimming pool, just listening and feeling so happy and successful. Mission accomplished. The symphony changed to a woman's voice singing a cappella. The words she sang were very moving, very meaningful to me, which was strange because I couldn't understand them, even though I'm pretty sure they were in English. They fell through my mind like snowflakes, the light and fluffy kind that's easy to shovel. But they were as intangible as they were beautiful. I just couldn't hold them in my attention long enough for them to make sense before they melted away. But I had the strangest feeling that I understood them, even though I 
Blink, Blink, Blink was flying over a low grassy hill that led to the sea. The sea! Great! Mission accomplished, right? I was totally someone who wanted to reach the sea. I mean, okay, if you asked me point blank, I couldn't tell you anything else about myself or any moment of existence that I might have existed in before this moment I was existing in, but details, details, I'd made it to the sea. Hooray! I noticed a set of railroad tracks that ended right on top of the hill I was hovering above. A trio of unattached train cars came rolling off the tracks to rest on the grass. They were short and stubby and, in the way of dreams, I knew they were luxury sleepers and that their interiors must be as beautifully appointed as those cruise ship cabins you saw in pictures from the golden age of luxury travel. Even though I was outside them, I had a DVCU, dream visual close-up, of brass spigots set in gleaming wood. Ooh, whoever was inside these vehicles were very rich and could afford to rent them out and stay here enjoying the beautiful seaside view. I thought it was kind of hilarious that I got the same view for free because I, I could fly here. And like a migrating bird following a signal coded deep in its DNA, there was only one direction I wanted to fly. I shot over the campers towards the sea. What? The sea had turned into a small scummy pond. No! Then I remembered another intention I had, that I really needed to start taking more charge of things. So I said, I command this pond to be the sea. It turned into a lake, which was a bit of a disappointment, but at least it was better than that pond. I flew just above the water and reached down with my hands. It was nighttime. When did that happen? And everything was murky and hard to see. I had this frustrating feeling that this sort of thing happened to me a lot. I said, I command the waters and the sands to be clear. I dipped my hands into the water and where they touched, everything became well lit and clear to mine eyes, but only for an instant at a time. And then everything went dark again. It was sort of like looking at photographs that lit up when you touched them. Okay, I command it to be day. Pale streaks of light emerged from the horizon like those ephemeral fingers of sunlight that filter through the clouds at the end of a late afternoon thunderstorm, but they were light that didn't actually light anything. They were just there, suspended above the water like useless decorations. I felt cheated and slightly panicked that my will was just so ineffective. And then my alarm clock went off, IRL, in real life, and I woke up in my bed in Salem, Massachusetts. I resisted the urge to just turn over and go back to sleep, 
and I opened up my journaling app on my iPad and started typing away because if there's one thing that I've learned the hard way, if you don't record a dream the instant you wake up, that dream will be dream smoke. Even lucid dreams. Or at least that is the case with me, Prodigal D. Oh, hi, imaginary listeners, and any non-imaginary listeners, or nannies, as the imaginaries like to call you while practicing their imaginary Golden Globe acceptance speeches. Spoiler alert, they all always win. Welcome to episode six of Lucid or Bust, the podcast about a dreamer. Yep, me, who had a dream to become a lucid dreamer. Oh. By the way, I should probably address the fact that when I started doing this podcast, I may have mentioned something about doing an episode every two weeks, and it's been more like five months since I've done the last one. Right. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Onward. Now, I want you to know, imaginary listeners, I have not been slacking off these past months. Oh, no. I've been busy, busy, busy. In fact, I even went in to lucid dream training. Yes! Did you know you can train to lucid dream? You can! Now, to the uneducated eye, it might have appeared that I was taking a nap, but looks can be deceiving. So, one day I was partaking of my favorite procrastination activity, lurking on the lucid dream subreddit. I rarely post because I figure I'm the last person who should be giving advice about lucid dreaming. Although that never seems to stop the placebo, please. Anyway, I came across an entry by a subredditor named The Supa Playa, which really caught my attention. The post starts out, I've been fascinated by lucid dreaming since I was about 15 years old. Hey, same here. Upon joining the well-known DreamViews forum, I tried various kinds of techniques for about six months with no visible success except increased dream recall. Hey man, don't complain about that. I didn't give up and eventually stumbled across this Michael Raduga guy. He is a very muscular Russian guy, I can confirm he's a hottie, who happens to be a very good lucid dreamer. Then the Supa Playa went on to describe how using Michael Raduga's techniques helped him to lucid dream. And he ended with, I still use the same techniques whenever I want to enter a lucid dream. I'm not trying to promote anything. I just genuinely want people to read the first two chapters of the free ebook you can download from the Russian guy's website. I've tried various techniques, all the wilds and dialds and milds and so on, but this combination of wake back to bed and dialed worked wonders for me. Give it a try if you are struggling. Are you kidding me, the super player? Struggling to lucid dream is like my middle name. Well, one of them. So I went to Raduga's website, obe4u.com, cute, and saw that the first version of his book was still available for a free download. So I did and started reading. Now, I will be honest. I was a little put off at first by Michael Raduga's attitude towards lucid dreaming. 
the way he viewed things, lucid dreaming was actually a subcategory of conscious dreaming, alongside other subcategories like astral projection, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, visitations by angels, by devils, by aliens who woke up that morning planning to abduct you because they all want to be us. Also, visits by zombies, goblins, succubi, and other terrifying denizens of the night. Although, FYI, if you get a visit from Donald Trump, that's not a dream. You just left your TV on. So don't try to make him go away by jamming your finger through your palm. It doesn't work. Trust me. Well, you can just imagine, imaginary listeners, my reaction to seeing lucid dreaming so casually demoted. Lucid dreaming? A subcategory? Over my dream body? I still haven't gotten over what happened to Pluto. I mean, that was fair, but man, astronomy could be harsh. Anyway, Michael Reduga wanted to come up with a single umbrella term that could be applied to all these subcategories, something that would clear up any confusion around what conscious dreaming actually was. And the term he came up with was the phase. Well, that cleared up everything. Okay, to be fair, this guy has dedicated his life to studying conscious dream induction and sharing everything he's learned with as many people as possible, often for free. So I guess if he wanted to go around calling lucid dreaming, I heart Elvis, he's earned the right. It's just, if you wanted to come up with an umbrella term for all of conscious dreaming, that was guaranteed to make anyone not familiar with the topic, roll their eyes and firmly file it in their heads under pseudoscience, you couldn't do better than the phase. So his book is called The Phase, a practical guidebook. And I actually found it pretty fascinating. In fact, I ended up buying the Kindle version of the book for 10 bucks because, well, it only seemed fair. I mean, I gave Bitbanger Labs 100 bucks for my Remy sleep mask, which is now a sleep mask, but also because the Kindle version was the most current version and it included his autobiography. And I like to know people's stories. It's a very interesting story. He grew up in Siberia, one of those magical boys whose best friends were books. His life got more interesting though when some aliens failed to abduct him, which alerted him to the fact that he had a talent for OBEs, or out of body experiences. This is a common type of conscious dream where you seem to separate from your sleeping body and off you go for an adventure in your dream body. So he ended up in Moscow where he decided to devote his life to spreading the word about OBEs or the phase. But he didn't want to be like all those other people who wrote lucid dreaming how-to books. He didn't want his techniques to be based on just one data point, his own personal experience. He wanted to design a program for teaching OBE induction that was based on how well it worked on other people, 
lots of other people, especially people who had no experience lucid dreaming. Newbies! So he began what he called his illegal mass experiments on the public. What those actually were was he would hold seminars to teach people how to induce OBEs, but he would try out different techniques on different batches of people to see which ones really worked well and which ones didn't. And then he'd use that information to decide which techniques to keep and refine further and which ones to ditch so he could be a better teacher. Now, in a world where our every click of the mouse is harvested, repackaged, and sold to the highest corporate bidder, calling learning from your mistakes to become a better teacher a mass illegal experiment seems almost endearing. But maybe in Russia only the government gets to collect data. Oh, or is that us now? Anyway, he refined these induction techniques on thousands of newbies over the years until he came up with a teaching program that seemed to teach the most number of people how to have the most number of OBEs. And he put them all in his guidebook. They basically come down to doing a sort of sleep exit induced lucid dream, which he calls the indirect techniques, where you try to enter a dream just as you are waking up. Because when you wake up naturally, as opposed to being jolted out of sleep by your alarm clock or your sister's cat, you don't go instantly from being totally asleep and dreaming to being completely awake and conscious. No, you go through a brief transition phase. Oh, okay, now I get it. Phase. Yeah, that actually makes a kind of sense. It's still called lucid dreaming though. Anyway, you go through a transition phase where you are still in REM sleep as you are starting to become consciously awake. So if you can learn to work that moment of transition between sleeping and waking, treat it like a launch window, you can stop yourself from waking up all the way and fall back to sleep while maintaining your little bit of waking awareness, which can trigger a conscious dream, usually an OBE. Now, this is not exactly breaking news in the lucid dreaming community. It's a pretty well-known technique, sometimes called a de-isled or dream exit induced lucid dream. But the thing that makes Michael Raduga's version of it stand out is that it's based on increasing the odds of success by turning one opportunity to induce a lucid dream into multiple opportunities. Okay. Bear with me. Usually when you try to do a de-isled, you are instructed to do just one thing that might cause you to re-enter sleep consciously. That thing could be visualizing something or imagining a physical sensation like floating out of your body, or it could be imagining yourself back in the last dream you had. But if that one thing didn't work, you've lost your chance your one chance. Michael Raduga's approach works like this. You don't try just one thing. You cycle through three to four very different techniques for just a few seconds each. So if inducing the sensation that your body is spinning 
doesn't launch you into an OBE, then switch to watching hypnagogic imagery. And if that's a dead end, switch to inducing the sensation of walking or swimming. Switch to feeling a phantom version of your arm moving. And if you get to the end of the cycle and none of them have worked, go back to the beginning because maybe one of those techniques that didn't work the first time you tried it will work on the second go round or the third. So do at least four complete cycles. Now, if you've been at it for a minute and it still hasn't worked, your launch window has closed. Sorry, but don't give up. The night is young. Go back to sleep with the firm intention that you will reawaken real soon and try again. And you shoot for about a half a dozen of these reawakenings a night. So, instead of one shot at lucid dreaming per night, you now have between 36 and 48. And here's the final part. In order to make doing these indirect techniques more effective, you're supposed to precede them with something he calls the deferred method, where you wake up after four to six hours of sleep, stay up for a short time to get the acetylcholine in your brain warmed up, and then go back to sleep with a strong intention of what you are about to try. In other words, wake back to bed, the cornerstone upon which most lucid dream induction techniques are built. Okay, Michael Verduga is not the first person to try and rebrand lucid dreaming's greatest hits, but give him this. He's certainly the first person to field test them so methodically and to multitask them. Well, I got really excited by this concept, plus I googled around and I found more accounts of people who'd used his technique successfully, as well as people who were skeptical, but that's the internet. I did notice that most of the skeptical opinions were from people who hadn't actually tried his techniques, which is also the internet. And may it always be that free. I also found, while I was googling around, some press about him, written back in 2011-2012, articles in LiveScience.com about a series of experiments he had set up while visiting America. He wanted to demonstrate that biblical accounts of angels dropping in on their favorite prophet, hello, this just in from God, sorry about igniting that bush, and contemporary accounts of people having near-death experiences, hey, is that my body down there? That happened to me, could be successfully reproduced in lucid dreams. So, over the course of several experiments, he taught groups of volunteers his conscious dream induction techniques and instructed them to go to sleep with the intention that they would see an angel or an alien or go up into the light. And some of them did. We're talking about newbies here. And if you want to read about it, just Google Michael Reduga near-death experiment and Michael Reduga alien abduction. But like, not now, I'm still podcasting, okay? Imaginary ADD. Anyway, 
For me, the most impressive part of his experiments was the restrained way that he presented his findings. Instead of going, ha, I now have proof that all Judeo Christian beliefs are based on the night some ancient shepherd ate too much pimento cheese before going to bed, he just took the accounts written by his newbie volunteers, describing their lucid dreams of visitations and near-death experiences, and he shuffled them with accounts written by people who'd had those near-death experiences, and with older accounts of divine visitations, and he presented them without telling which ones were which. Just letting the fact that you really couldn't tell them apart speak for itself. So, back to the book. I decided I was definitely going to give this phase thing a try. So I picked three of his techniques from the menu. I chose rotation, visualization, and imagined movement. And that night, I gave it a try. Or that was the plan. But I quickly discovered that waking up from sleep and cycling through three different induction techniques four times in a row is like waking up from sleep and doing a complicated dance routine with your brain. My brain has two left feet and they're both dyslexic. So I went back to the book and read some more and learned that it really helps if you practice doing these techniques for about 20 minutes a day so you can do them effortlessly when the magic moment arrives and also get a better idea of which ones you're better at. I loved that. Training. I mean, finally, something proactive to do to become a lucid dreamer besides reality checks and meditation. So... The next day, I took a 20-minute studio break, and I lay down, and I tried feeling my hand moving without moving it, phantom wiggling. And after a minute or so, I could feel my hand lifting up and down and rotating left to right, but when I opened my eyes to peek, my hand hadn't actually moved. Cool! And weird, but cool. I moved my intention over to my legs, and after a while I could feel my right leg floating upwards and then sinking down, although my left leg just wasn't buying it. I also was pretty good at feeling myself rotating around as if I was lying on a lazy Susan, and I could summon a vague sensation of walking, but not like the brisk walk I do every morning. It was more like a slow trudge, as if I were dragging my legs through a thick syrup. Well, after a week of training, I decided I was ready to try again. So I went to bed, planning to do the whole 3 a.m. wake back to bed deferred method, whatever you want to call it, and then reawaken throughout the morning hours, trying the techniques. But instead, what happened was this. I woke up naturally after just a few hours of sleep and did what I'd been training to do. I launched right into doing cycles, and immediately I started to feel these pre-wild sensations. My legs felt like they were rising up, and my body started fizzing like it was filling with carbonated water, and I felt this force pressing my ears in. And then, the strangest sensation of them all. It's a little hard to describe, but I'll do my best. It was as if my body was a film that was being projected, 
and the projector that was projecting me suddenly stopped and skipped a few frames and then started up again. Like my body just went out of the universe for a heartbeat. And when I say went, I mean everything went. I had been sort of half listening to my window fan, but when the projector stopped projecting me, I had no hearing. Imaginary listeners, I freaked, I'm embarrassed to say, and I rolled over on my side and I deliberately broke the spell. Oh, did I leave out something important? Yeah, 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 I forgot to mention, I'm now terrified of sleep paralysis. Those of you who've suffered through my earlier podcasts may recall that in my first ever lucid dream, I had sleep paralysis, or what I thought was sleep paralysis, and it was kind of funny. But what I didn't realize at the time was there's more than one type of sleep paralysis, and I'd had sleep paralysis light. The next time I had it, I was having a dream that a bunch of women were hanging out near me, making so much noise that I couldn't fall asleep and have a lucid dream. I seem to get some version of that dream every time I take galantamine. Anyway, I got so mad at the women that I started shouting at them, Hey, you're not even real! Oh, is that the wrong thing to say to dream characters? They hate that! And they shot me these evil harpy looks and crowed, We're real! We're real! And then they all flew at me and landed on my chest and started pressing down and pressing down. And I woke up feeling like I was suffocating with the fading sensation of a massive weight on my chest. And my overachieving amygdala took note and decided any weird sensations I felt while lying in bed might be sleep paralysis and forevermore warranted a fear tsunami. But I had not spent a week of coffee breaks lying in bed inducing spinning sensations so that I could give up after just one try. Actually, I got kind of mad. I mean, I was just so sick of fear ruining everything. It wasn't even midnight. REM sleep wouldn't even be getting going for another three hours. I had another shot at this. I had a lot of other shots at this. If I could just get control of my emotions. So I firmly told myself, listen, sleep paralysis is a natural sleep occurrence that my body goes through every night to protect me from acting out my dreams. It is completely harmless and fearing it is illogical. So I'm gonna put on my big girl pants and my Mr. Spock ears and no matter how weird things get, I will not give in to my emotions. And I went back to sleep. When my alarm woke me up at 3 a.m., I meditated for about 15 minutes, and then I went back to sleep with the strong intention of reawakening throughout the morning hours and doing the Reduga cycles without feeling afraid. Or that was the plan. So what happened was, when I reawakened, I couldn't summon the sensations anymore. It was like 
the part of my brain that had been able to do them had been switched off. I willed them and I willed them to happen, but they didn't. I can't explain it, imaginary listeners. I can only recount it. But just because I couldn't summon them on demand didn't stop them from dropping in uninvited. So for the rest of the summer, I often spontaneously woke up after just an hour or two of sleep and started feeling weird sensations. My limbs would go floating up or my body would suddenly change temperature or that projector projecting my body would skip frames. The worst one was the dread floods. I felt like a portal had opened up in my body, just where my heart was. Yeah, no worrying about a heart attack there. And it was connected to this dimension of endless dread. Dread would just come pouring out of that hole in my heart and flood my entire body. And the weirdest part was, there was no emotion attached to it, but it was dread, physical dread. Believe me, I am more than familiar with that sensation. And so I would lie there and take it. I mean, was there a choice? And after a few minutes, I would start to feel completely exhausted, which was extra weird considering I was just lying still in bed, not moving. But that sensation wore me out like I'd been fighting for my life. I hated it. But then it stopped and I missed it because it was something. Something that felt closer to lucid dreaming. But I never did get any of those sensations to occur when I wanted them. After wake back to bed, when my brain chemistry was primed for lucid dreaming or phasing or whatever you want to call it. And it left me wondering, is my brain the dumbest brain on the planet? Or is it secretly a misguided control freak genius? Hmm. I finally decided to give the Reduga training a break and go back on galantamine because it was getting towards two months since I'd had my last lucid dream and I really needed one, man. And that's when the Reduga training paid off. Well, okay. Not in actually inducing a lucid dream, but in navigating through one. His book also had a lot of good anchoring techniques, which he called deepening techniques, for making your lucid dreams more stable and realistic, and for dealing with dream blindness. They involved moving quickly through the dream space, touching things while simultaneously looking at them, or if you couldn't see yet, looking in the directions of your hands. I often had trouble seeing in my lucid dreams, and even when I could see, things were often blurry and unstable, and I figured this would be a good thing for me to work on. The book also had a list of things to try when you became lucid, a sort of newbie to-do list, and the first thing on the list was, as soon as you've exited your body, walk, run, or teleport to the nearest mirror and gaze at your reflection. So, I'd gotten into the habit of using my daytime reality checks to practice these Reduga moves. Whenever my reality check alarm went off, I would squinch my eyes until I was seeing the world through a foggy tunnel, 
and then I would rub my hands over something while slowly opening my eyes until I could see it clearly. Then I would tell myself that I had to get to a mirror, and I hoped my brain was paying attention. The next time I took glantamine, at first it seemed like it hadn't worked, but then I got out of bed in the morning and noticed that my bedroom was so dark I could barely see. It seemed filled with a heavy fog made out of old shadows, and I realized I was having a false awakening. I was really dreaming, and immediately I felt a strong intention to rub things and find a mirror. Now, for those of you who grew up watching Friday the 13th movies and the original Poltergeist movie, we won't talk about the sequels or the remake, you know that looking at yourself in a mirror in a dream never ends well. Best case scenario, you're a zombie with most of your teeth having a good hair day. So I could feel a sort of bleak dread welling up in me at the thought of looking at my reflection, but I also felt such a strong intention to find a mirror that I was able to act in spite of my fear. You would have been proud of me, imaginary listeners. I willed my dream sphincter to unclench, there's a sentence you don't hear in every podcast, and I rushed over to my dresser. In the way of dreams, I just knew that there was a mirror on my dresser, and I was right. I mean, I could barely make it out in the dark dream fog, but I could just see that the dresser was very low and wide with two columns of drawers, and set on top of it was a large horizontal mirror. In real life, I haven't had such a dresser since I was 12 years old, but I guess things turn up in dreams. The mirror part looked like a flat, dark gray pane. In the middle of the glass, I could just make out what looked like a cloud of darker gray in the shape of a person's head, which I figured must be my reflection. So I started feeling things on the dresser, running my fingers along all sorts of weird shapes carved into the wood. And suddenly, suddenly, I was standing in front of a sink in a brightly lit bathroom. Over the sink hung an enormous, ornate, gilt-framed mirror. And over the mirror hung a beautiful crystal chandelier, which is actually what my bathroom looks like in real life. Apparently, the people who owned my condo before me had a thing for Liberace. Anyway, back in the dream, I looked up, and there I was, reflected in the dream mirror, just, just beaming with good health. And perched on my head was, of all things, a top hat. I woke up from the dream feeling so happy and hopeful, like, okay, I'm starting to assemble a lucid dream toolbox, and here's a tool that works, that can even kick fear's butt. Ha! Well, once again, I've come to the end of another podcast. I wish I could do them more often, but the current economy requires a bigger workload to keep my business afloat, but I am grateful for the time that I can find to follow my passion. 
And I would just like to thank all my awesome imaginary listeners for their undivided attention. I mean, except for those of you who have multiple brains. It really does help me to have all you guys to podcast too. So I hope you've enjoyed number six. And if there are any nannies out there listening, well, I hope you've enjoyed listening too. Although, in a more likely scenario, you were probably at one of the many women's marches getting ready to show Donald Trump what a record-breaking crowd really looks like when my podcast started playing. But before you could put down your fake news is the new fuzzy math protest sign and reach for your iPhone to turn me off, the plaza became so crowded with powerful women and awesome men that you couldn't even move your arms and were forced to listen to my voice going on and on and on. If that was the case, well, look on the bright side. You only have to listen to me go on and on and on for a single year. So until next time, whether I'm using the power of my intentions to induce the sensation that my dream body is rotating in my bed, or I'm just kicking back and watching the founding fathers spin in their graves, I'm still lucid or bust.